You guys are singing today. Don't you love that song? Just to put into words some of the things that we believe. And as Cameron was saying, uh, the church throughout the last couple thousand years has, uh, has used things like creeds and songs to proclaim our beliefs. And so as we gather together, which is a great thing for us to do as the church, we sing these songs that, that begin to, at times, shape what we believe in our theology. So I'm so thankful that you're here and that you're singing with us. My name's Matt. Uh, I'm the lead pastor. And it's always good to, uh, to gather with you on Sundays. Are, are you awake today? Are you with me? We here? Hey, um, I hear there are a couple football games today. Anybody hear about that? Some things going on. Uh, this week, I was out eating with uh, Michael Fay, who is a, a pastor of one of our collective churches, uh, Arcadia City Church. And we were, um, we were at a place called the Shake Shack. Have you been to the Shake Shack? No? Some? Yes? It's a place over at uh, Kierland or Scottsdale Quarter or something like that. And we're sitting there eating, and um, Andy Dalton walked in and his wife. Andy Dalton's the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I thought, I need to meet this guy, right? <laughs> so I shook his hand, and uh, we shared some words, and um, pretty cool to meet him. And I started thinking about uh, people who are out of town who, who come into Phoenix and, and Scottsdale during this time of year because they want to experience the grace of God that we see in the weather here in Arizona. And so I felt like I needed to apologize to him for the weekend he was about to experience. But he said, hey, it's better than Cincinnati. So um, I want you to do something. It's okay to talk in church every now and then. And I want you to tell your neighbor something. If you had your best friends or your family or somebody who does not live here coming to town and you wanted to take them out to dinner, and, and suppose I'm going to pay for it, which I'm not, but suppose I was going to pay for it. So money's not an object. You can take them anywhere in the city you want to take them. Where would you take your friends or your family for a group dinner? You got it? So start thinking about it. And I want you just to share that with a couple neighbors around you. Go ahead and share with them where you would take them to dinner. Now, okay, some of you are describing the menu right now. That's, that's good. Um, so before we, before we get running with why we would talk about that kind of thing, whatever restaurant is on your mind, if it's so much in you right now that you feel like, oh my goodness, now Matt has got me hungry for this food but our friends aren't coming to town for months. They, they can't come till the summer when it's terrible around here. If you just need someone to take out to dinner, just call me. <laughs> I, I love food, uh, just about any kind of food. But here's why I asked that question. Um, I, I've got a favorite restaurant in town, and, and I love to go there, and I love to sit on their back patio. A lot of people haven't even heard of it. Some, some have. It's called Chelsea's Kitchen. Anybody been to Chelsea's? One of my favorite places in town. Um, some of you are going to like tune out and like look it up on, on your phone and hopefully you'll tune back at some point. But here's the deal with, with, with Chelsea's. I have never, ever, and I don't think I would ever go to Chelsea's by myself. 
it just wouldn't be the same kind of experience. There, there's something about Chelsea's with a group of people sitting around a table, especially on the back patio on a beautiful night when the lights are up. There's just something about it. And there, there's certain things in life that are meant to be experienced in a community of people. There, there, there are certain things in life that just can't be experienced on your own. Um, for me, I enjoy golfing, but I don't golf by myself. Now, some of you are like, that's crazy, Matt. You should golf by yourself. There's, you know, it's good for your mind. It's good for the soul to get out. But, but golf for me is, is about the, the interaction with other people. I'm not good enough to golf by myself. I, I, I like to put others through misery of looking for a little white ball alongside of me. Um, th there's just certain things that are better together. We've, we've been in this series, and we're talking about sacred rhythms. And sacred rhythms are these practices or these activities that, that really set us up or move us into a place where God's grace can begin to transform us. Uh, sacred rhythms are the activities, uh, they're the regular, intentional activities that we choose to do that open the conduit to God breathing his life into us. And there's some of this that we do on our own, right? We've talked about uh, one of the, the practices we talked about is, is silence and solitude and prayer. Uh, Jesus, when he was talking about prayer, uh, he said, when you, when you pray, don't, don't go out on the street corner and start yelling for everybody to hear so that everybody goes, oh, they're, they're, they're praying. They must be a sacred, holy person. No, he says, go into your closet. Go slip away, be by yourself, and spend some time with God your Father, right? So there are these practices, some practices that we do alone, but there are also community practices for the church. Uh, for the community of, of, of believers, those who would choose to follow Jesus, there are some practices for all of us. Now, um, Foster said this. Uh, he said that the needed change within us is God's work. Now, this is, this is good news, right? Because we can't change ourselves. We've tried. We've worked hard to make resolutions. But the truth is we just can't. We don't have the power. We don't have the strength to change ourselves in a substantial way. It's God's work. It's not ours. This is good news. But we do have a responsibility in this work. The rhythms, the practices, the activities, the intentionality of opening ourselves so that God's spirit might be able to do something in us that we can't do in ourselves. Are you with me? Right? So that, that's what this, this series is about, these sacred rhythms. Uh, last week, we talked about serving others. And this is something that you at times do on your own, but it's also something that you do in the context of a community. It's something that we all do together. Now, I, I've said this every week, and let's see, I, this, is, this is the test part. Um, what is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life today? Hurry. Hurry. Yeah. Yeah. Hurry. Hurry is what keeps us from being able to practice the rhythms, the activities, to be intentional about letting God's Spirit work within us. So the challenge is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives, to slow down, to think, and to open ourselves to God's activity. Um, I'm going to open up God's Word today, and if you have a Bible, you can read along with me. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, the, the words will be on the screen, but I want to encourage you to write down uh, the passage of Scripture, maybe where it's found, so you can go back and look at it later. I think this one is, is very important to us. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter 2, so you can go ahead and start turning there if you want. Um, one of the questions I often ask when I read Scripture 
when I open God's Word is, is a question that goes like this. Is this passage of Scripture, or is this story, or is the instruction that I find here in Scripture, is it simply descriptive of something that has happened in the past that, that God might use in my life? Is it, is it descriptive in a way that I could learn from it, or is it prescriptive? Is, is it giving me something that I should do in life? Do, do, those two, do, you, do you understand the difference between those two? Is it simply something describing an event that took place, or is it prescriptive in that I need to do something about this, that God is giving me some instruction in my life, or is it both? Now, the book of Acts is an interesting uh, book. Uh, many believe, and, and I'm with them, that, that Luke wrote this book. So Luke, who wrote one of the Gospels, the stories that we have, the accounts of Jesus, um, wrote this as a continuation of that book, and he wrote it to talk about the believers, the followers of Jesus, who were trying to follow Jesus in life. And, and it was a, a description. It's, it's a history in some ways of what took place. But there is some prescription, I think, that takes place as well. There are some things that, that we're challenged to do. So at the very beginning, in, ch in chapter 2, near, near, the, near the very beginning, and uh, Luke describes this 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 idea that the Holy Spirit, which had filled Jesus and, and led Jesus through his life, is, is the same Spirit that was given to the believers. So anybody who would choose to follow Jesus has received this Holy Spirit. And this is what the believers did, and I think this is prescriptive for us as well. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist, and to prayer. So... It's this little glimpse that we get from, from the book of Acts of what took place early on with the community of believers, the followers of Jesus. All the believers, now don't miss this, this, this word devoted themselves to. Devoted themselves. Not just a second thought, not, not just kind of a passing glance, but rather they, they gave themselves over to these certain things that he's going to list. They, they were focused on, they were intentional about these things. And, and these, in some ways, become sacred rhythms for the community of God. Here they are. Um, the apostles' teaching. They, they devoted themselves, they were intentional about the apostles' teaching, which in today's world, we could, we could, we could talk about the New Testament, the apostles' teachings to us. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings or to Scripture. They, they, they devoted themselves to life together, to some sort of communal activity, something about being together. The fellowship is, is one of the words used. And then he throws in one of my favorite words, including sharing meals together. So if you still have that restaurant on your mind, <laughs> matt at mcdowell.church is my email address. Um, they devoted themselves to, to, to fellowship, to sharing meals together. Come on, there's got to be an amen there, right? <laughs> amen. We get to eat together, and it's sacred. There's, some, there's a sacred rhythm in eating together and being together. And he, and he includes the Lord's Supper, that there's something about the Eucharist uh, together, taking it together. Uh, we began a practice a, a, a number of years ago, and we would often pass the elements. Many of you remember this, and you would take communion on your own. Uh, but recently, we've been taking communion together as a church. And there's something different about it, isn't there? About all at one time remembering 
the body of Christ which was broken and the blood which was poured out. We take that together. We remember together as a community. Um, Acts talks about that. And then it says also they, they devoted themselves to prayer. There was this focus, this intentionality about prayer. It wasn't just a second thought. It wasn't something they just did before the meal, um, but it was, it was something that they were intentional, devoted to do. So Luke continues in this description. A deep sense of awe came over them. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. So they, they, they kept coming together. They met together in one place. He'll come back and talk about the temple, but they, they kept coming together, and, and, and they, were, they were sharing what they had. They, they, weren't, uh, they weren't stingy. They were generous with it. They sold their property, they, they sold possessions and shared the money with, with anyone who might have some need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. I kind of have this feeling that anytime we talk about meals or eating together, we should all say amen. amen. <laughs> I love food too much, I know, I know. Uh, there, you know, the Bible... Um, sometimes I take tangents. The Bible, when it describes heaven, oftentimes when Jesus describes heaven, he talks about the great banquet. There's, there's, I, I believe everything changes around the table. I, I think we're all reminded of our need for the basics of life around the table. And, and if we're intentional, we're all remi reminded of our need for Christ around the table because anytime we break bread together, anytime we drink together, um, anything that we drink, we should be reminded of, of, of Christ. I think that's one of the reasons Jesus took the most common elements on the table. But um, they worshiped together. They, uh, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of, of all the people. Now, I think sometimes we read, read past that too quickly, this idea that um, this community of believers... Um, did not so isolate themselves from the rest of the world that the rest of the world was, was separate and, and uninterested in what was going on. There was something about this group of people that was liked by the world around them. There, there was something that, that stirred the people around them to, to look and say, I want to be a part of that. And, and it says that, um, that each day the Lord added to their fellowship their community, those who were being saved, those who were coming to new life in Christ. Now, I think in this passage, we find something that's descriptive. We, we find this, um, uh, this story of what was going on in the early church, but I, but I also think that we find something that's prescriptive for us, rhythms that are important for us as a community, McDowell, and, and really every local church around the world. And so it's important to step back and say, okay, what... What are these, these rhythms? Now, you'll, you'll notice in that passage of Scripture, and I, and I hope you go back and read it this week and, and kind of think through it, um, that he continually says together. They met together. They were together. Uh, in some passages, it says with one mind or with one, one accord. Um, I'm going to teach you the Greek word today. Now, I am not a Greek scholar. Uh, I like to pretend at times. So this is going to be one of those times that I'm going to pretend I know a lot of Greek. I don't know a lot of Greek. I know some Greek. Uh, I had to take some Greek uh, when I was going through the School of Theology. But here's the word. You ready? Homothumadon. Homothumadon. Can you say that with me? Ready? Homothumadon. Yes. We're Greek scholars together today. 
homothumadon is an interesting word. It's translated in this passage and, and, and really throughout the book of Acts. It's, it's translated this idea with one mind or unified or together. Um, but one thing that I was taught in school was that sometimes it's important to break words apart and look at the roots to find out what it really means. Sometimes our language has a tough time translating. So if you break this word apart, you'll get two kind of root words. Homo, which means as one, right? Uh, th there's this, this idea as, as the same as. Thumos is an interesting word that oftentimes is translated as anger or passion or fury, right? There, there's something about this word, this, this, there's even this, this grunting idea that thumos, when it's used, sometimes it's, it's talking about the rushing wind out of the nostrils, which is crazy, right? It's almost like the Tasmanian devil who just grunts. That, that it's this, uh, when, when I was in, in high school and we were lifting weights, it was like what we did before we took the weights off the rack. It was like this, sorry if I spit on anybody, but it's like this grunt, this like, um, I'm, I so hope nobody's videoing right now, but it's, it, in fact, let's do that together. Let's, let's do that. Are you ready? Let's do this together. Ready? Let's, one, two, three. Like some of you are like, I'm not doing it. Homo. Thumadon. Uh, so, so if you look at these words together, there's this, like, this, this concept of um, as one, together, this, this rushing wind, this, this, this passion together. And, and throughout the, books of, the book of Acts, throughout these stories that we find, there is this, this, this passion of togetherness. Uh, later, in the New Testament, in, in books like First uh, Corinthians, when, um, when, when, when Paul interacts with a church who is doing some things that aren't accurate or, or aren't reflective of, of ways that they should live, he says, you know, things like, you're getting together and, and you're supposed to be focusing on the Lord's Supper, but rather you're, you're excluding people who can't afford to be there with you. This should not be. No, no, you have to be of one mind. You have to be willing to share in, in this generous space and come together and be passionate together. Like this is, this is some sort of rushing wind, all-in kind of life. So what are the rhythms that create this togetherness amongst us? Um, I pulled out three that I think are, are just descriptive of this passage um, that I think could, could describe what we do. The first one is this. It's the, it's the rhythm of gathering. There's this, this regular rhythm of gathering that takes place with the church. It's why we get together every Sunday. And it's why we are encouraging, so encouraging, that, that, that you, you make this a habit, that, that this becomes a rhythm, not just to go through the motions, not just to be religious about it, but rather because there is something that takes place when we're together that can't take place when we're separate. Um, we stream these online, so when you're out of town, you can, you can jump in, but there's something different about being here. Would you agree with that? There's something different about being here. When you walk out of this room, there's a buzz in the lobby when, when we're talking together, when we're milling around, when we're drinking coffee, when we're eating together. 
Some of you got it. There's something different about be, like physically being together. Facebook works, Twitter works, Instagram works, but when you're there to experience it, it just changes everything. So there's this rhythm of gathering. In Hebrews, the writer, uh, he's talking about this, and he says, let us think of ways to motivate one another uh, in, in these acts of love and, and, and doing good to other people. And, and we do this when we're together, when we gather. Uh, let us not get out of the habit of meeting together as some in the fellowship have done. They're being encouraged, like, don't, don't miss out when we all get together. I mean, this gathering, this kind of practice has taken place for 2,000 years. And today, on Sundays, millions of people across the globe gather like this because there's something that takes place when we're just together. There, there's something that takes place when we're face-to-face. -face. There's something that takes place when we sing songs with one voice when we take communion and remember. There's this, this rhythm of gathering. Now, there's, 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 a, there's a rhythm of gathering all together, but there's also rhythms of gathering in, in smaller groups. In the passage, it talked about meeting in homes, right? Sharing meals in homes. Like that there should be another gathering that takes place on a regular basis where we get together. Uh, I mean, not physically all of us in one house, because that would be an awesome house and really big, and the cleanup would be a mess. But, but where you invite some other people around your table, there should be this regular gathering, this rhythm of inviting people in. It's a sacred rhythm, and, and there's something that takes place in our souls when we get into this rhythm, this sacred rhythm. Uh, the second one that jumped out at me was this rhythm of generosity. Uh, it, it, in the passage, it talked about they were willing to, to share all that they had, and, and that the people literally sold some of their possessions and their property for the good of everyone. Uh, this is like radical generosity. This isn't just like uh, a tip at the restaurant. This is like, no, no, someone's in need. I am going to use what God has given me to bless someone else with no strings attached. Like my hands are off of it. Like I'm going to sell, I'm going to give things away when I realize I don't need them and there are other people who might need something. Now, some of you are going to tune out here for a second because you're like, anytime we talk about money, you know, we, we, we don't want to, I'm kind of out on that kind of thing. The church is always about money. It's not. But money has a way of owning us rather than us owning the money. And I think God has created some rhythms throughout his word that helps us to, to, to open our hands in a way that we wouldn't hold tightly to the things that we can't take with us when we're gone anyway. In the Old Testament, it was... There were, there were two different things. There was the tithe, which in the Old Testament, they would bring literally 10% of all of the, the crops that they were uh, pulling together. They would, they would take 10% to the, to the temple in the Old Testament. And then God told them to do something else that seems really crazy. He said, when, when you harvest your fields, I want you to leave the edges of your field alone. I, I don't want you to harvest the edges of the field, which in our day and age is like, that is totally inefficient. Why would God tell them not to go to the edges? And God said, it's, it's because there's poor among you, and, and they need to be taken care of, and so it teaches you to allow the poor to take some of what you've worked for. Two different concepts, the tithe and leaving the edges of the field. Isn't that interesting? And in the New Testament, there are scholars who say, well, the tithe isn't a part of the New Testament, which 
it's an interesting debate. Is it a part of the New Testament? Is it not? I think for Jesus, um, the, the concept is generosity, and it goes above and beyond the, any idea of the tithe. Like generosity is just about saying, here is what God has given me. Now, I may have worked really hard, but, but God is the one who has provided my mind, my heart, my work ethic, and, and here's what he's given me. And I'm not going to clinch tightly to this, but rather I'm just going to have open hands. And when people have needs and I can meet them, I'm going to meet those needs. So I think there's this rhythm of generosity. Uh, it's why we've started passing the plates, because it reminds us of this rhythm of generosity, of being willing to share. Uh, and it's not just about these walls and this building and what happens here. We're trying to do things around the world. We, we've just gotten engaged with um, a group of young pastors in Europe where the church has almost died. And there's a number of young pastors there that we're, we're, we're trying to support and breathe life into them. So, so the, the idea of generosity isn't just about building some little kingdom on the corner of 124th and Shea. It, it's about it's about joining with God's work around the world. So there's this, this rhythm of generosity. And then the last one is this. I think there's this rhythm of growth. There's this rhythm of growth. And what does that mean, uh, a rhythm of growth? What, like, what does that have to do? When it says that, that God added to their numbers daily, how did that happen? Well, I think there was this invitational kind of culture, this invitational rhythm that had become a part of the people. Like, you have, like, like I would do if, if, if you were coming to town and you said to me, oftentimes I'll have people who come from Oklahoma City and they're like, are there any good restaurants in, in Scottsdale? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are there any good restaurants here? Like, I can't help but share. Chelsea's, which isn't in Scottsdale, I know, but um, th there's so many great restaurants around here and I can't help but share about these things. It's this invitational life that says there is something that happens when we gather together and we can't help but invite others in. Like, you got to come with me. Uh, interesting statistic that I read recently. Uh, according to, to the census and some different surveys that have been done in the Phoenix area, um, over 80% of people who live in our area believe in God. But less than 40% of people who live in our area have any regular activity that would reflect that belief in God. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? That 80% would say, I, I believe there's a God. I, I don't really do anything about that, but I, I do believe there's a God. And I think that like, should move our community to be this invitational kind of a place. Like, you, I mean, it's not even talking anybody into anything difficult. It's like, I, I don't have to talk you into believing in, in God. You already believe in God. Just come, come check out what happens when God moves in the context of a community. There's this rhythm of growth that takes place. There's all these, these sacred rhythms. So, so what, right? So what? I believe in you and in me. God wants to radically transform us to be different kinds of people. And, and I believe that the power and, and the will, like I don't have it, and I don't think you do either. It's not that I don't believe in you, but I just don't believe that you have the power, and I don't believe I have the power to really, in a substantial way, change ourselves. But God does. God, God wants to breathe life into you and into me. And for 2,000 years, the foundational rhythms of the church have been these. Prayer, 
Scripture, and community. These have been the foundational rhythms of the followers of Jesus for over 2,000 years. We find them in Scripture, and we look at tradition, and we find that these are the things, these are the, the baselines for the rhythms that open ourselves to what God wants to do. And so the point of this series, uh, the, the, the point of, of talking about this, opening God's Word, is, is to help us become more intentional in creating rhythms that would allow God to transform us. Call them spiritual disciplines, call them means of grace, call them sacred rhythms, call them whatever you want to call them. But the point being, it's opening the conduit so that God may lean down and breathe his spirit into you and me. And I think ultimately, if we're honest, all of us want life in this life, don't you? Don't you want life? Don't you want to experience life that is truly worth living? I mean, Jesus talked about this, the, the New Testament authors, the disciples, they talked about, we want to live the life that is truly worth living. We don't want to just go through the motions and make money and spend money and die and pass it on to our kids and they waste it or do whatever they want with it and they go through the motions. We want to be people who are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's the best way to live. So, I've been giving you this homework. Simple rhythms, practices to spend two to five minutes in silence and prayer every morning or every night or every midday, whatever, whatever is the right rhythm for you, uh, of, of meditating on one passage of Scripture. Now, some of you are like, one verse, Matt, like I'm going to study Scripture for longer than that. That's awesome. But for those who, who don't even open God's Word, my, my challenge is, one verse every single day, meditate on it, like, like read it a number of times, as much as you can every single day. And then I would encourage you to commit to gathering, both, both in this kind of a gathering, but also in your home, to inviting others in, to sharing meals together with great joy and generosity, to becoming God's kind of people. I mean, this is God's idea of changing the world. Um, we're going to sing one last song this morning, and um, we, we always want to give you space to, to somehow think and respond to whatever God may be breathing into you. And so we're going to sing this last song that's called The Sons and Daughters of God. Like, we are the sons, we are the daughters of God. It's this great declaration that, uh, that God has adopted us into his family. It's not anything that we have to work towards. And as we sing this, you might just want to stand and sing with us. Um, there's this cross over here, and, and the cross, we believe, is, is where God, uh, through his grace and his love and his mercy, where, where, where Jesus willingly gave up his life so that we might be set right with our Heavenly Father. And so there are these cards over here with some pens and some paper. And, and maybe you just want to come down and, and write your thanksgiving to God for what he did for you. Uh, maybe, maybe you want to write out a prayer, something that's heavy on your heart or in your mind. Maybe you want to write out a passage of scripture. Um, for some people, this becomes a moment of confession. Maybe there's something that, that you need to confess to God and trust in what he did on the, on the cross, accomplished on the cross for you. So we want to give you some space to do that. You're, you're welcome to do that this morning. Uh, in the back of the room are some candles. 
and light in the Bible represents God's presence. So one of our rhythms is to um, allow those who want to light a candle and ask God's presence to be with them or, or a loved one. You're welcome to do that during this time. Um, this morning, I'm going to ask a couple of our um, kind of our prayer partners and our, our board members to be standing over on this side. And, and maybe today you just need someone to pray with you, pray for you. And so um, if that's you and you want to slip down this morning, there'll be a couple over here um, and they uh, would be happy to pray for you. You don't even have to say anything to them. You can, just, you can just come and say, pray for me. And that's it. You don't even have to tell them what it is. And they would be happy to pray for you. So we just want to give you some space to think and to respond to what God may want to do in your heart and your mind. So let's stand together and um, let's sing this declaration out. And as we sing, let's respond to the God who loves us and calls us his own. Father God, you are a good God. And um, this morning we, we respond to you with song. Um, some of us at the cross, some of us at the candles, some of us just seeking out some prayer. God, we pray that your spirit, pray that your spirit would fill us, would breathe life into us. Uh, not, not just the regular life we go through the motions, but life that is truly worth living. So God, we, we turn back to you this, this morning. We repent. We, we come back to you. And uh, we pray that all that we say and do in this time would be pleasing in your sight. 